Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. It's like he was just putting the pieces together for me in such a way that just was simple but powerful. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is God's truth right here. It wasn't always what I, what I wanted to hear, but I knew it was the truth, and I always wanted the truth. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach on a subject that I've entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? It's Lessons from the 2020 Elections. And um, I know that there may be people that question about, well, what's the benefit of that? Well, this is, um, I believe that the 2020 elections in the United States were a referendum on where the morality of America stands because we had probably the clearest choice between policies. Now, again, there's a lot of people that are offended at personalities, and that's a separate issue. But if you look at policies, the policies between the Democrats and Republicans were so stark. They are the most dramatic, light and dark differences that I've ever seen in uh, my 71 years of living here, possibly in the history of the United States. And yet 52% of Americans voted for a platform that is completely against everything the Word of God stands for. And that is not an exaggeration. That is not a hyperbole at all. I mean, you look at things like, uh, I've been going through this Barna survey. Of course, the election, this is one of the lessons that you learn from it. The other one that I'll probably be dealing with next week is that the church is responsible for that. And I'm going to be sharing a lot of scriptures that show you these things. But uh, just to amplify that we are in a moral crisis in the United States. And this, if it's true in the United States, there's a lot of places outside of this country that are even worse in moral values. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to verify that, but if you've ever traveled overseas, man, I praise God for America. I praise God that things are as good as they are, but it ought to be a wake-up call to anybody this last election. How many people just totally ignored any semblance of Christian values and voted for things such as, here's, here's this Barna survey that I've been using, 44% of evangelical Christians. Again, let me emphasize that this is not just talking about atheists, people who don't believe in the Bible, who don't go to church. This is evangelical churches. 44% claim that the Bible is ambiguous in its teaching about abortion. Now that is, I would say it's a lie, but it's probably more ignorance than anything else. I, this is just amazing that people would think that abortion isn't dealt with or covered in the Bible. Uh, man, there's a lot. I'm not going to spend my whole... Uh, I could spend a week or two teaching on this. Matter of fact, in not too uh, long, I'm going to have on a person and we are going to be just talking about the anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision in the United States that unleashed this demon of abortion upon the United States. But let me just use a couple of scriptures here. In Psalms 139, it says in verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made 
in secret. Notice the terminology here. This isn't something that just happened. It didn't just evolve. This isn't just human. This was God. God is the one that created us. And it says, I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance uh, being yet unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written when in continuance was fashioned when there was none of them. Uh, that's real wordy in the King James, but if you read it in the NIV, it says that all of his days were written out in his book before they were even born. Now, this doesn't mean that God sovereignly against our will controls us and makes things happen in our life. If you believe that, you would have to attribute every negative thing, such as rape, murder, and adultery and anything that happens as being God's will because God sovereignly controlled it. That's not what this means. But God did have a plan for each one of our lives before we were born. We got total freedom whether we go with God's plan or we lean under our own way. That's the reason that the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. God's got a plan for you. And it was written out when you were still in your mother's womb. Now that's significant because again, you hear people today saying that, you know, that, that, that child, that's not an individual. That's a part of the mother's body. That is not so. A child has its own separate DNA. It has its own separate blood type often. It has its own separate heartbeat. And on and on you could go. Uh, from the moment of conception, that child inside of the mother is a individual. And you know, the Roe versus Wade decision that was made in 1973 here in the United States by the Supreme Court. Again, we this program is aired all over the world, but abortion has swept all over the world. So these same things hold true regardless of where you are. But in the U.S., the 1973 uh, abortion uh, decision, Roe versus Wade, in there, in the writing of it, it, it's, it says, and again, I won't be able to quote the exact wording, but this is the accurate gist of what was said. It says, we do not know when life begins. If it can be proven that life begins at conception and that that child in the womb is a person, then they are entitled to all of the other rights uh, that any person would be entitled to under the United States Constitution. So in that decision was a statement made that if you can prove that life begins prior to the birth, then... That is a child, and they should be protected under the United States Constitution. Back in 1973, nobody had researched this because nobody was dumb enough yet to question whether a child in their mother's womb was a human being. Man, I know that some people take offense at the way I say that, but that's, that's been accepted and understood for thousands of years, and you have to be an educated fool to question these kind of things. But it was questioning because nobody had done any research. They wrote that in. If you can prove that life, that a person in the womb is a person, then they are entitled to all the rights. Well, now all of the science, there has been a lot of science done since 1973. 
And all of the science, not some of it, all of the science shows that that is a valid human being. That is a person inside of a mother's womb. And because of that, that's the reason that you saw when President Trump was elected in 2016, they saw that, man, there was a possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned. And that's the reason that you started seeing some of these states passing their own laws about abortion, even up until and after the time of birth. In New Jersey, they will even allow a child that is born to lay there. And if the parent says, but I don't want it, then they will allow that child to die and not give it any assistance. That's demonic. But the reason they're doing that is because there is this thing in Roe versus Wade that if these uh, cases make it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court in the United States now is staffed by people who interpret the Constitution and aren't activist judges. And they saw the handwriting on the wall, so they started passing these laws to try and protect it. And sad to say, there are 44% of people who are call themselves evangelical who are saying that the Bible doesn't take a stand on this. That's not what this verse is saying. You can turn over to the first chapter of Luke, and when Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, it said that the babe leapt in her womb, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was prophesied that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. And it happened. The Holy Spirit didn't fill a fetus, a hunk of flesh, a non-person. The Holy Spirit filled a person, John the Baptist, when he was only in the sixth month of, of her pregnancy, three months before he was born. And on and on you could go. Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in the belly, before you came forth out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet. That was while he was still in his mother's womb. Same thing is said in Isaiah chapter 45. The same thing is said over in 1 uh, chapter of Galatians, where Paul said that God separated me to the gospel from my mother's womb. And this leads to another point that in this Barna survey that is really misunderstood, and it says that people, uh, only 36%, one-third, close to one-third of evangelicals seek to pursue God's will for their life each day. They don't believe that God has a purpose for their life. They believe that we are just random, that I think a lot of this comes from evolution, people that have embraced evolution and it's being taught. And if you teach creationism, they come against you as being a religious fanatic. And yet I guarantee you there is more science that backs up creationism than there is science that backs up evolution. Evolution is not a proven fact but because people believe that we just evolved and that we are no different than a dog or a cat. We're just a little bit further along in our evolution. Well, then that means that basically it's up to you to pick and choose. But if you go back to the Word, while you were still in your mother's womb, all of your days were written out in a book. You were sanctified and called to something from the time that you were still in your mother's womb. See, all of these things are just radically missing in American society today. And again, if you're watching in one of these other nations, I don't. I believe that most places are worse than America. If it's missing in America, it's also missing in most of these cultures. 
today, but most people are not looking to God and recognizing these truths. You need to recognize that from the moment of conception, that is a child. And America has murdered now over 60-something million children. And sad to say, the church, there are certain people and segments. I'm going to have a lady on in just a couple of weeks on these programs, and we're going to be talking about this. And man, she's stronger than horseradish. And she's been fighting a fight, and they're getting these heartbeat bills done. I think there's now 14 states that have implemented that, and they're all working their way up to the Supreme Court. And I believe in the name of Jesus that we are going to see abortion outlawed in the United States in the very near future. And so there are some people that are standing up, but this statistic right here shows that 44% of evangelicals don't have really an opinion. They don't believe that the Bible speaks out on the subject of abortion. That's amazing. It says 42% of evangelicals seek moral guidance primarily from sources other than the Bible. Now, that is just crazy. That is crazy. And I know that there's people watching this program think, well, there's a lot of other good people that are moral. You know, if you proclaim morality, if you say that this is good and yet it doesn't originate from God, again, you have varied from the foundational things that, that somebody else is determining what's right and wrong. That's, that's wrong. God is the one that created everything. We are responsible to a creator, and it is not up to you to arbitrarily choose that this is good and this is bad. You know, this is one of the things that really bothers me about some of the ads that I see on television because they will show these little cats and dogs that have been mistreated and they play this sad music and they talk in a voice where they're just nearly on the verge of crying and talk about how pitiful it is. And don't misunderstand me. I've, I've had dogs. I, I like animals. I've had horses. I'm an animal lover. But I can guarantee you that, a, that probably the vast majority of those people who are sitting here and, and in a sense shaming you and trying to condemn you into supporting these animal rights things, they're the same people that abort babies. They're the same one that will kill a child and sit there and, and fight for the right to do that. And that's just totally hypocrisy. Man, if somebody doesn't value human life, then... It's wrong for you to sit here and say, oh, but it's good for you to not kill animals, not to wear furs. Let's ban all of this kind of stuff. And that's just total hypocrisy. Amen. So anyway, some other things here. It says um, 36% of evangelicals prefer socialism to capitalism. And some people think, well, the Bible doesn't talk about socialism and capitalism. It sure does. Again, I could spend a lot of time on this. Uh, just one instance of this is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I believe it's around verse 10. It says, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know what that means? That you tie a person's eating to they have to be productive. They have to produce something. Now, I believe that there could be exceptions. A person who's physically handicapped, mentally handicapped, uh, you know, there, there could be exceptions. But a general rule is the Bible teaches that you go out and work. He says he would bless what you set your hand unto. 
He would multiply whatever you set your hand unto. But you could multiply nothing times a hundred, and it's still nothing. The Bible does not teach just putting people on the dole and making them so that, you know, there's people that will sit there and go out and have babies. They aren't married, and they will, ha they will be a baby machine because they get money from the government for every child, and they are beating the system with that. That's socialism. And that's not what capitalism teaches. Anyway, there's a lot of things in the Bible about that, and yet uh, one-third of Christians, a little over one-third of, of evangelical Christians, prefer socialism over capitalism. Socialism is where you come in and take things from people who are productive and give it to people who are unproductive, and you reward their unproductiveness. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus gave some examples about people that received 10 talents and five talents and one talent. And the one talent guy was a socialist that just went and buried it, didn't do anything, didn't make anything from it. And when the Lord came, he rebuked him and he took his uh, talent that he had buried in the ground and didn't do anything with and gave it to the one who had 10 talents. Some people would say, well, that's not fair. It's God's system. You reward productivity. You reward people that are producing. God loves everybody, but He doesn't reward bad behavior. And anyway, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. 34% uh, of evangelical Christians reject the idea of legitimate marriage as one man and one woman. In other words, they accept homosexual relations. 34%, basically one-third of evangelicals. Now, this isn't talking about the atheists, the non-religious, the God-haters. If you were to just take society in general, I believe that this last election, one of the lessons to learn from it is that the, the vast majority, over 52% of those who voted, actually voted for homosexual marriage, lesbian, transgenderism, men being able to go into a women's restroom, a women's locker room, if they just feel like it, because today they feel like a woman. And there's people that will say, well, there's nothing in the Word of God about that. I've actually had people challenge me before and say the word homosexual isn't even used in the Bible. Man, I'm trying to be polite, but that is ignorance gone to seed. The word homosexual wasn't even coined until I believe it was 18, it was the late 1800s in Germany, and it's a modern word. The Bible was translated in the 1600s, and of course the word homosexuality isn't used. But in the uh, book of Genesis, chapter 19, it showed God's opinion about homosexuality when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their homosexuality. In Deuteronomy, in Exodus, it talks about that a man shall not lie with a, another man as he does a woman. That's talking about sexual relationships. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter 1, uh, it talks about the progressive steps that people take away from God and the last stop on this train to where you become reprobate, which means that God just totally turns you over to a mind where you don't have any conviction of God. You don't have... God has just left you alone because you've rejected Him. He's going to let you go and He will not deal with you anymore. That's what the Bible calls being reprobate. And the last stop before that train reaches that destination of being reprobate 
is homosexuality. And that's what Romans chapter 1 talks about in very clear language and makes it very clear that men burned in their lust towards another man, left the use of the woman and burned in their lust one towards another. And then you, there's many times the word when it talks about an unclean spirit, if you study that out in the Greek in the New Testament, many times that's talking about homosexuality. There are things in the Bible all through it that are against homosexuality. And yet we've got quote-unquote ministers, they call themselves preachers, ministers of the gospel, that proclaim homosexuality and say that love is love. No, that's not true. There is a cheap imitation. What the world calls love is not what God's agape love is. And love between two men, love between two women in a sexual content is forbidden in Scripture. God loves homosexuals. There is forgiveness for homosexuals. I believe it's even possible for a Christian to actually be trapped in homosexuality. I've known some Christians that struggled with this because of sexual abuse in their life and things that happened to them. But it's sin, and it ought to be rejected the same as adultery should be rejected. Fornication should be rejected. Pornography should be rejected. Those things happen, and I believe a Christian could even get caught in it, but to say that this is God that made them this way, that's just totally wrong. The transgender issue is totally wrong. People seem, but you know, I'm, I'm an actual woman trapped in a man's body. Did you know that science shows that every cell in your body, there's trillions of cells, and every single cell in your body either has two X chromosomes or an X and a Y chromosome. You are on a cellular level, either male or female, but not a fluid thing that you just pick and choose however you feel. If you were to die, and if the Lord didn't come and somebody dug up your bones a hundred years from now, they could do a DNA test on your bone and tell whether you are male or female, and it doesn't matter how you feel. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that I even have to say these things. But again, Christians, there are there's 34% of evangelical Christians. If you just took the ones that claim to be Christians that don't even claim to believe the Bible, the number would go way up. I believe probably over 50% of quote-unquote Christians believe that a man and a man are able to form a marriage. And that's what the Supreme Court ruled on and approved of it. It's wrong. It's ungodly. And somebody needs to stand up and say that this is sin. God forgives sinners, but you got to admit you're a sinner before you can receive that forgiveness. It's not automatic. You have to believe in order to receive. If you doubt, you do without. You need to recognize that there are standards of right and wrong. And this is these are some of the lessons that I learned from the 2020 elections is that America is way, way far down a road where we are walking away from the Bible, from biblical Christianity. This ought to wake up Christians and cause us to take action. You know, I've got a lot of material here I'm offering. This is going to look different because this is a DVD we put out on a panel discussion, a two-hour panel discussion that dealt with a lot of these things. But we're adding to this my week's teaching this week, and we're also adding to this an interview I did with David Barton and E.W. Jackson. So this is one of our products. The other one is a musical that is just awesome. Man, it is patriotic. This will have you praising God 
for the foundation, the roots of this nation. We're offering these DVDs. Listen to our announcer as he gives you this information. Andrew's new teaching titled, Where Do We Go From Here? Lessons from the 2020 Elections is available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Included in this four-part album, you'll also get the America on the Brink panel discussion and Andrew's race relations discussion. The America on the Brink panel discussion includes Andrew Womack, Tony Perkins, E.W. Jackson, General Jerry Boykin, Bill Federer, and Janet Boynes. The race relations panel discussion includes Andrew Womack, E.W. Jackson, and David Barton. Both panels share a biblical perspective on important political matters in our culture today, such as racism, riots, Black Lives Matter, homosexuality, abortion, and more. On today's program, Andrew also mentioned the theatrical DVD titled, In God We Trust. This patriotic DVD features reenactments of significant American historical events, along with inspiring musical numbers. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Our helpline is open 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. If you haven't yet partnered with us, I'd like to encourage you to pray about it. And then if the Lord says so, join with us because we are taking the gospel not only through television, but we've got over 70 uh, different locations around the world, offices, I think in 16 different nations. Uh, we have uh, probably 8,000 students going through Karis Bible College at any time with over 8,000 graduates. We're pumping out millions and millions of free material through our website, over 200,000 free hours of material on our website. And we're just reaching all around the world. We couldn't do it without partners. And so I would like to ask you to pray about it. If you want to make a difference, I believe that this is a good ministry. You'll get a great return, not only in heaven, but in this life, you'll receive a hundredfold. So join with us and become a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries today. So I started doing Karis Bible College online while I was living in Mexico as a missionary. And it was just so amazing being able to do it at home. 
you know, with young children. We live in a very remote area. My husband and I would um, download the classes into our phones. The online classes are absolutely awesome. You're getting ministered to. You're learning how to minister to other people. It is your biggest return on investment. I want to let you know that we have now started a Karis Daily Live Bible Study. We've been doing a Bible study every Tuesday night live for about two years, but now we have five days a week. We've varied the times so that we can accommodate anybody's schedule, and it's gonna really be good. We're gonna use our instructors from the school, and it'll be a blessing. So remember, we now have a Karis Daily Live Bible Study five days a week.